Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com or you can download our free Living Truth app. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah chapter 29 called Woe, O Area. Then you shall be brought low, verse 4. That's usually what has to happen to get many of our attention. Then you shall be brought low. It's a picture of humility. From the earth you shall speak, and from the dust where you are prostrate. Now remember, the picture is the armies come in, and they're, they're like fallen by the sword. Maybe this is a picture of them writhing in pain and dying moments. You are prostrate. Your word shall come. Your voice shall also be like that of a spirit... If you have a King James, it says a familiar spirit from the ground. If you have a new King James, it says a medium from the ground. And your speech shall whisper from the dust. Let me read the NIV. It says, brought low, you will speak from the ground. Your speech will mumble out of the dust. Your voice will come ghost-like from the earth. Out of the dust, your speech will whisper. Now, what in the world is going on here? Well, there's a couple things. First, I think this is an image of Okay, the low that God is going to bring is there's going to be a lot of people who are lying, dying. And you've all kind of witnessed that picture. I mean, some brutal pictures, for example, in the um, Nazi concentration camps. Some of you have seen that footage before. You've seen some people barely alive. All they can do is whisper. That's the kind of picture that we have here. But there's something else here. There's a person speaking a whisper from the dust, almost like their life is ebbing out of them. But then it uses this idea of a spirit from the ground, a medium, familiar spirit, or something ghost-like. The the medium, one of the things that the medium allegedly did, and in some cases did do, is the medium spoke to the dead. And of course, we do know that there was a case, at least one that we know of, where God did allow that. And what case was that? The witch at Endor, remember? And was it Samuel that was brought up uh, for a moment to speak? And there's a little debate on that. But the, remember in that um, text, the medium is freaked out that this has happened. She's kind of startled. The idea is that a medium can invoke the spirits. And one form of divination, which means to divine, to try to find out information about the past, present, or future, was to invoke the dead called necromancy. By the way, this was something that God told the children of Israel that you are not to practice what the pagan religions practice. Hold your finger in Isaiah, go to Deuteronomy 18. So you got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and then Deuteronomy. So the fifth book of Moses. 18. Deuteronomy 18, look at verse 9. When you enter the land which the Lord your God gives you, this is the promised land of Canaan, you shall not learn to imitate the detestable things of those nations. Deuteronomy 18.10. There shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or his daughter pass through the fire. One who uses divination, that's to find out the secret things. One who practices witchcraft. One who interprets omens or a sorcerer. Verse 11. Or one who casts a spell, or a medium, or a spiritist, or one who, here's necromancy, calls up the dead. For whoever does these things, you think God is clear, is detestable to the Lord. And because of these detestable things, now you have an insight why the nations in Canaan God would drive out. The Lord your God will drive them out before you. 
You shall be blameless before the Lord your God. For those nations which you shall dispossess, listen to those who practice witchcraft and to diviners. But as for you, the Lord God has not allowed you to do so. I kind of get the idea, Isaiah 29, if you'd return there, that God is saying you're going to whisper from the dust in the same way that you try to find out information from the mediums that I told you not to mess with. See, Israel got into all these practices. The pagan nations did influence them, and they did raise up uh, altars to these gods and goddesses. They did allow their children to to pass through the fire, something very detestable, something in one place in Scripture, this is mind-blowing, God says that it never even entered into my mind that something like that would be done. That's giving us human terms to understand that God says that's so far out, it's almost unimaginable even to the mind of God. That you would take your baby and put it in fire as a sacrifice to a God. And so all the other practices of the pagans, Israel mess with as well. And now God says, now you're going to be like a a spirit or the voice of the dead whispering from the dust. Verse 5, Isaiah 29. But the multitude of your enemies shall become like fine dust. They're going to join those who disobey God. And the multitude of the ruthless ones like the chaff which blows away. And it shall happen instantly, suddenly. Have you ever noticed that life can change suddenly? God says, there's going to be a moment in your history when you've made all your plans and suddenly things are going to change And your enemies, God says, even the enemies that seem so strong, they're going to join you in the dust and the multitude of the ruthless ones, they'll be like chaff which blows away. That's God's power. And because God says that of Israel's enemies, I think you can see a hint of hope in the passage that God will deal with those who come against Israel. From the Lord, verse 6, of hosts, you will be punished. She will be visited with thunder and earthquake and loud noise, with whirlwind and tempest, and the flame of consuming fire. This is, these are all pictures of what we saw at Sinai. What's Sinai represent? Mount Sinai is the mountain of what? Law. And God said to Moses, tell the people that they are not even to touch the mountain. And if anyone touches the mountain, they will die. God descended in thunder and lightning and fire and power on top of Mount Sinai, so much so that the people said to Moses, "Um, you go talk to him. Tell us what he says. You go first, Indiana Jones movie, right? That's the idea. God is a, have you, do you understand the being that we're dealing with now? God is an incredibly powerful being. And God says, if you want this side of me, if you want Sinai instead of Zion, you want the mountain of law and judgment instead of the mountain of mercy, okay, good luck. A lot of people think that they're going to, you know, open a, crack open a bottle of water or knock back an iced tea and they'll dialogue with God on the day of judgment. Here's why I didn't believe in you, God. Do you know what kind of being we're dealing with that speaks the universe into existence and holds it together today with his mighty power? By the way, does that blow your mind that that being became Jesus Christ and veiled his glory and humanity for 33 years? It's amazing. So God says, 
This is what it is. This is going to be a divine visitation, but this, in this case, it's not for salvation. It's a judgment. And notice these are theophany, appearances of God uh, language. Thunder, verse 6, earthquake, loud noises, whirlwind, tempest, flame of a consuming fire. It makes you think of Hebrews 12, our God is a consuming fire. There it is. If you write down uh, Revelation 8, 5, Revelation eleven nineteen, and Re- Revelation 16, 17, and 18, you'll notice that all of those uh, endings in the book of Revelation of seals, trumpets, and bowls, this is from MacArthur's study Bible, all end with uh, language that speaks of lightning and thunder and peals of thunder and all that stuff. Verse 7. <coughs> Excuse me. And the multitude of all the nations who wage war against Ariel, even all who wage war against her and her stronghold, and who distress her shall be like a dream, a vision of the night. I think one application in verse 7 is that it's going to happen, but then it's going to be over. Ever seen a movie before where someone goes through this terrible thing? I think of Dorothy. I don't know why, but of course the land of Oz wasn't that terrible, right? You and you and you were there. <laughs> but you, have you ever been there before where maybe you have a radical dream and then you wake up from it and you say, that was just a dream. And then you might say something like this, thank God. You ever been there before? Thank God, that was just a dream. Sometimes you feel like you go through a lifetime in a dream, you know? Like, what happened there? Thank you, Lord, I was dreaming, right? Well, there's going to be a day when we wake up on the other side that I think that's going to kind of be how it is. And for God's nation, specifically because they have this, these hordes that are going to come against them, God says it's going to be temporary. But there's an additional meaning in verse 8. It will be as when a hungry man dreams, and behold, he is eating, that is in the dream, but when he awakens, his hunger is not satisfied. Have you ever noticed that when you dream, sometimes you dream about something that is the most pressing thing on your mind and heart, and maybe you had a dream about doing something, and then you realize, no, you didn't do that at all, but you thought in the dream that you had done it. You know what I'm saying? But it, it just hasn't taken place. So it's like a hungry man. Imagine someone in a country where you don't eat very much. Maybe you get one meal every couple of days. I wonder how many times those people dream about food. You know, we don't think too much about that in this nation. <clears throat> but I'm sure that there's a lot of people in other nations that that consumes their dreams. Because we often dream about what's uppermost in our minds. And so it's as though someone who's hungry dreamt about eating, but then they wake up hungry again. Their hunger is not satisfied. Or it says, when a thirsty man dreams and behold, he is drinking, but when he awakens, middle of eight, behold, he is faint. Almost like a kind of a mirage picture here of walking through the desert. And his thirst is not quenched. Thus, uh, the multitude of all the nations shall be who wage war against Mount Zion. What do you think? You think that People will be satisfied when finally Israel is off the map. We're going to push them into the sea, and then the world will be right. Oh, is that going to solve it? Or if I just, here's the American way of thinking about it. If I just get this, then I know I'm going to be satisfied and happy. And then you wake up from that, and then you want something else, and then you eat that, and then you realize you're hungry again in two hours. That's how life is. Jesus says, if you drink of that water, you're going to thirst again and again and again and again. 
It will never truly satisfy you. And there are enemies who think, man, if we wage war against Israel and push Zion into the sea, then certainly that'll do it. No, it won't ever do it because you're never going to find peace by destroying somebody else. Never. You might get momentary satisfaction, but that's it. John Lennon said, quote, Christianity will go, it will vanish and shrink. I needn't argue that. I am right and I will be proved right. We, the Beatles, are more popular than Jesus now. And I don't know which will go first, rock and roll or Christianity. Oh, really, John? You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. You're invited to our next apologetics event called Dare to Defend. This is something that you're going to want to go to because it's going to bolster your faith and encourage you and give you reasons and answers for the hope that you have. Join some of today's top apologists who will provide real answers to skeptics' toughest questions and equip you with the tools necessary to confront the moral confusion of today's culture. J.P. Moreland talking about miracles. Why do I have to have an answer to this question? I at least know there's a God. Sean McDowell dealing with deconstruction. When I was on the road, I met a man, he goes, I'm his last friend who didn't bail on him. I thought, man, what does it matter with us? John and Claudia Kalmakoff. If they don't have that foundation and they don't know about God's promises and what we know is true, not by what we're feeling, but by facts, historical, archaeological facts, what we know to be true, then their feelings take over. Lenny Esposito, who will deal with the power of the archaeological record. You know, you're doing a construction project, Rome, they were trying to build the subway. And they had to keep stopping because they keep finding stuff. Hey, if you're looking to get further equipped, and we all should be, this is the conference to go to. Dare to Defend begins Friday evening on March 25th at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, California. Get your tickets now and make sure you have plans to join us. Learn more about Dare to Defend and get your tickets when you visit walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. And I don't know which will go first, rock and roll or Christianity. Close quote. Oh, really, John? Voltaire claimed that by the early 19th century, the Bible would have passed, I'm quoting, into the limbo of forgotten literature. Oh, yeah, Voltaire? I don't think so. As a matter of fact, did you guys hear the little, there's a little thing in an apologetics book that says that they used Voltaire's house to print Bibles after he died? (laughs) Talk about irony. That is God's sense of humor, is it not? Verse 9. Be delayed and wait. The NIV says, stunned and amazed. New King James says, pause and wonder. Blind yourselves and be blind. They become drunk, but not with wine. They stagger, but not with strong drink. This means uh, if you're going to delay and hesitate and be indecisive, now you are going to be blind. It's as though, look at verse 9, by delaying and waiting, and that is, I think, to run to God, you have blinded yourself. There appears to be in the Bible times in people's lives where they hit a point of no return. That is a bit of a mystery because we know God's grace is incredibly, we, we often talk about it being inexhaustible, but there are some people in the Bible that God said, I'm done with you. Think of King Herod taking the credit. 
You know, he's, he speaks as though he's a God and he wouldn't give glory to God. And God says, okay, you're dead. There are some people that push the envelope. They, they are warned by God over and over again. And God says, you've got a window. Remember Jezebel in the book of Revelation? I gave her a space of time to repent and she would not repent. And so I'm going to deal with her. And this is the imagery that we've got here. Be delayed and wait. Be stunned and amazed. Pause and wonder, how many signs do you have to have? Just give me one more sign, God, and then I'll come to you. God says, you've gotten enough. Isaiah's been preaching long enough. If you won't listen, then you've blinded yourselves. And talk about the worst way to become blind. You're going to become drunk, but not with wine. You're going to stagger, but not with strong drink. You're going to be staggering under the weight of judgment. Scary. For the Lord has poured out or poured over you a spirit of deep sleep. By the way, this is the same language that's used in Genesis 2.21 of the sleep that God put on Adam and then created Eve. He has shut your eyes, the prophets, and he has covered your heads, the seers. There's a point at which if you harden your heart, God will confirm it and say, okay, night, night. That's Michael's interpretation of the Hebrew there, of deep sleep. And notice who he addresses. He has covered your heads, the seers, that is the prophets. You could put it this way if you like. They have fallen into a spiritual coma. Go to Romans 11. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and then Romans. New Testament. Paul is, quotes Isaiah quite a bit. <clears throat> and in Romans 11, here's what he says. Verse 7, he's dealing with Israel's hardness, making the case that it's still a partial hardening and that God will work again in Israel. Romans 11, look at verse 7. Romans eleven seven. What then? That which Israel is seeking for it has not obtained, Romans eleven seven. but those who were chosen obtained it, and the rest were hardened. Just as it is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes to see, uh, eyes to see not and ears to hear not down to this very day. Who gave them the spirit of stupor? God did. John, do you mind? If, could you grab me a glass of water? Thank you. The spirit of stupor came from God. What's stupor? If someone's in a stupor, what do we mean? They're just out of it, man. They just don't get it. The natural man doesn't understand the things of the spirit. They are foolishness to him. He cannot discern them. And I don't know, I, I think in this case, we're talking about people who are not the remnant, people who are in Israel, but God has given it to them. And they keep rejecting God, and God says, okay, if that's what you want, that's what you'll get, a spirit of stupor. You'll have eyes, but you won't be able to see. You'll have ears, but you won't be able to hear. And notice Paul says it's down, verse 8, to this very day. This explains, by the way, why Israel continues in their hardness. Go to verse 25. I do not want you to be, I do, I do not want you, brethren, to be uninformed of this mystery. This is one of the sacred secrets unveiled in the New Testament. Lest you be wise in your own estimation, that a partial hardening, 11.25, has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And thus, thank you, John, all Israel will be saved. Just as it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion and he will remove ungodliness from Jacob. And this is my covenant with them, Israel in context, when I take away their sins. 
So much for replacement theology, where people teach that um, the church has replaced Israel and that God won't work again in national Israel. I just don't think that you can hold that up in Scripture. Um, God is going to work again in the nation of Israel, but uh, there is going to be and has been a long time of hardening. A spirit of stupor, go back to Isaiah, that is God given because God has confirmed their hardness. You've been listening to Woe, O Ariel, Part 2 on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah chapter 29. Remember, if you missed any part of today's teaching or any of Pastor Michael's previous teachings, you can go back and listen for free to the podcast. Just search for and follow Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app. Like we've been saying, this program exists because we want to equip you so you can have an answer for the hope that you have when people ask you. If you have a question or perhaps need counsel or prayer, feel free to reach out to us. The church behind Walk in Truth, where Michael Lance serves as senior pastor, is Living Truth Christian Fellowship. We're based in Corona, California, and we have people on staff who can help you with your need and pray with you too. So call 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, the question becomes, could God be angry enough with Jerusalem to want to destroy it again? That's a question that is posed to me. And here's the interesting part of that. Um, so Israel returned to the land in 1948, recaptured Jerusalem in 1967. And depending on your eschatological point of view, that would be your view of the end times. Uh, this is going to happen. There's going to be um, really calamity again centered in the nation of Israel. You know, people have been talking about this idea of the Gog and Magog and Rosh things in Ezekiel 38 and 39, some concepts that are certainly debated, some definitions that are debated. But that view would teach that there's going to be an attack on Israel where God intervenes. You look at Zechariah chapters 12 and 14, and you see once again, Jerusalem will become a cup of trembling for all the nations. Well, that's Zechariah 12, I think right around verse 10. So we can be assured that taking those verses, that Israel is going to be something that we need to keep our eye on, namely, specifically Jerusalem, as the, the, the last days commence. When will the last days occur? Well, we're in them in one sense. They began at the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. According to the New Testament, we're already in the last days. But when will be the last of the last days? That's the key question. And the truth is, brethren, we don't know. But we keep our eye on Israel, on Jerusalem, for many reasons, including many New Testament passages that we've taught on this broadcast. And so I know that's kind of a flyover treatment, but um, yes, um, the Lord's going to get the attention of the world at the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray that the gospel will go out to many. In fact, this is why we're doing radio and podcasting right now. For all of you who have a heart for this, for all of you that are partners in this uh, forum or medium for ministry, this is why we want the gospel to go out to as many people so that they know the king, so that when they come, when he comes, I should say, when the king returns, they'll be ready. They'll be saying, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. This is Pastor Michael Lance. This is Walk in Truth, and we're walking through the book of Isaiah. Incredible 
powerful prophecies and truth in the book, just like the rest of the Bible. And we're glad that you are joining us. And of course, this is a time to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, for the nations, pray for our country, that we would come back to God and that our walk would match with our talk. We say a lot of God bless America at the end of speeches, but I'm not sure that we're in tune with the God of the Bible. We need to come back. Old mainline denominations need to return to the Lord and to his truth. All of us do. Um, we return to our God. Who knows whether he'll leave a blessing behind. But the way things are going, man, how can he bless? So let it start with us, brethren. Let it start with us. I know the Lord wants to bless, and of course he blesses his people. I'm thinking about our nation right now. I, th- I hope you can hear my heart and praying that we will return we will repent and return to God. Well, more of the book of Isaiah. We're going to be finishing up chapter 29 tomorrow. Uh, many ways that you can contact this ministry. Mike Massaro always gives you the ways, but one of the th- things you can do is call a number, which is 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. If you need someone to pray with, someone to talk to, perhaps you even have a Bible question, pastor's available, 9 to 4 Pacific Time, 844-48-TRUTH. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you tomorrow. Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast for free, and will hopefully help us become 100% listener-supported. Would you please help us pay for the airtime on the radio station you're listening to? A monthly partnership of at least $5 a month is all we ask. Visit walkintruth.com and click donate. That's walkintruth.com and click donate. And join us tomorrow for part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah chapter 29 called Woe, O Ariel. I'm Mike Massaro and thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.